sure we've all been sitting in church at one time or another when the person preaching said something like this. Now, in the original Greek, Paul uses, insert Greek word here, which means, insert dictionary definition here. If they really want to sell it, they might even tell you that it's an aorist participle or a present imperative or something like that. Most preachers have been guilty of something along these lines at some point, including the preacher speaking to you right now. And there's certainly a time and place for getting technical. But when I was in college, I had a professor who told us that our knowledge of the original languages should be kind of like our underwear. It's something we always have, and it gives us support, but it's not something we show to everyone all the time. His reasoning was that pastors should not do anything that would give their congregation the impression that in order to truly understand the Bible, you have to be an expert with insider knowledge of the original languages. In other words, my professor was teaching us to uphold the clarity of Scripture. In last week's episode, I told you that Protestant theologians have upheld four fundamental attributes of Scripture. It's sufficiency, it's clarity, it's authority, and it's necessity. Today, we've arrived at the second attribute, clarity. Now, for a long time, people used a different word to describe this particular attribute. They would speak of the perspicuity of Scripture. For something to be perspicuous means that it has been clearly presented. Perspicuity is another way of describing the clarity of Scripture. But since we're talking about the Bible's clarity, I thought it might be more helpful to stick with a word with which we're probably more familiar than perspicuity. Now, here's how I want to define the clarity of Scripture. Ordinary people, using ordinary means, are perfectly capable of understanding all they need to know from Scripture in order to have a relationship with God and to obey Him. I'll say that again. The clarity of Scripture means that ordinary people, using ordinary means, are perfectly capable of understanding all they need to know from Scripture in order to have a relationship with God and to obey Him. In other words, you don't have to be an expert, you don't need a seminary degree, you don't need a high school diploma, nor do you even have to be literate to understand what the Bible has to say about how we can have a relationship with God and how we can live a life that is pleasing to Him. Of course, that does not mean that the Bible is a shallow or simplistic book. It is, after all, the Word of God. It reveals one who is infinitely holy and wise, and we can spend our lives studying it, yet never reach a point where we have mastered it. At the same time, however, there are many things in the Bible that even a small child can grasp. As Gregory the Great wrote in his commentary on the book of Job, Scripture is like a river, broad and deep, shallow enough here for the lamb to go wading, but deep enough there for the elephant to swim. When we speak of the clarity of Scripture, we do not mean that it is all shallow. There are depths to this book that we will never plumb this side of heaven. Yet anyone can wade into it and gradually swim into deeper and deeper waters in the power of the Spirit. Here's how the Westminster Confession of Faith summarizes the clarity of Scripture. This is from chapter 1, paragraph 7. It says, Not all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves or equally clear to all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly stated and explained in one place or another in Scripture 
that not only the educated but also the uneducated may gain a sufficient understanding of them by a proper use of the ordinary means. There are several important clarifications in that definition. First, the clarity of Scripture does not mean that all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Peter says of the Apostle Paul. This is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. There are some things in his letters that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So even within the Bible itself, there is an awareness that not all things in scripture are equally plain in themselves. It's one reason that the Westminster Confession goes on to say in chapter 1, paragraph 9, the infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. Therefore, when there is a question about the true and full meaning of any Scripture, which is not manifold but one, that meaning must be searched out and ascertained by other places that speak more clearly. In other words, when you encounter a portion of Scripture that is hard to understand, as Peter put it, You should not twist it to your own destruction the way the ignorant and unstable do. You don't say, well, this is what it means to me. Instead, you let Scripture interpret Scripture. You allow the clearer portions of the Bible to interpret those passages that are less clear. So that's the first clarification. Not all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves. The next clarification about the clarity of Scripture is that not all things in Scripture are equally clear to every person. There are some people who are simply more skilled at understanding the Bible. Now, that skill may come through education or practice. It may come from a lifetime of being saturated in the Word of God. This really should not surprise us, but it's worth pointing out. Someone who has been reading and studying the Bible for decades will probably have an easier time understanding certain things in the Bible. Yet the confession makes clear that those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are clearly stated and explained in one place or another in Scripture. Those things that are absolutely necessary for us to know and believe, like the sinless life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, for example, Those things are absolutely plain and clear for anyone to read. And those things which are necessary for us to obey, like what it means to be holy and to love one another, those things are crystal clear. The Bible is like a river, broad and deep, shallow enough here for the lamb to go wading, but deep enough there for the elephant to swim. The third clarification I want to make about the clarity of Scripture is that we must, in the words of the Confession, make a proper use of the ordinary means. In the definition I gave you earlier, I said that the clarity of Scripture means that ordinary people using ordinary means are perfectly capable of understanding all they need to know from Scripture in order to have a relationship with God and to obey Him. Now, what do I and the people who wrote the Westminster Confession mean when we refer to ordinary means? Well, it starts with a translation of the Bible. A few episodes ago, I explained how the Bible was transmitted from its original manuscripts in Hebrew and Greek to the English translations we hold in our hands today. To say that the Bible is clear does not mean that 
anyone can pick up a Hebrew Old Testament or a Greek New Testament and understand it perfectly well. Making a proper use of the ordinary means starts by using a faithful translation so that we can read the Bible in a language that we understand. In fact, in the very next paragraph, the Westminster Confession goes on to say that very thing. You see, One of the stands that the Protestant reformers took was that ordinary people should be able to read the Bible in their own common language. That may not seem like a controversial opinion to us today, but trust me when I say that it was back then. There were people who were literally murdered, burned at the stake, or strangled because they dared to translate the Bible into the common language of everyday people rather than leaving it in Greek or Hebrew or Latin. The Westminster Confession says in chapter 1, paragraph 8, Because the original languages are not understood by all the people of God, who have a right to and a vital interest in the Scriptures and are commanded to read and search them in the fear of God, therefore the Scriptures are to be translated into the common language of every nation to which they come. I love how strongly they word it. The people of God have a right to and a vital interest in the Scriptures. Every follower of Christ has a God-given right to read or hear the Bible in a translation they can understand. When we talk about making a proper use of the ordinary means, that is the starting point. Beyond that, however, there are many other ordinary means that may help us. For example... We can make use of study Bibles that contain helpful notes. We can read commentaries or devotionals or other books that explain the teachings of Scripture. But most importantly, making a proper use of the ordinary means is something we do within the context of the church. Lord willing, you should be in a situation where you regularly hear the Word of God read and explained and illustrated and applied to your life. If you're not, you need to remedy that situation quickly. And not only do we hear the Scripture in a sermon, we should also hear it in biblically sound hymns that we sing together and in thoughtful prayers that are prayed within the gathering of the church. These are all ways that we do what God commands us to do in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, every one of these attributes of Scripture flows from the character of God. It is His Word. And it should not surprise us that God would see to it that His Word is clear enough for anyone to understand. God's purpose is not to obscure the truth about Himself. It is to reveal And we should give thanks to Him, among other things, for those who have gone before us, many who gave their very lives so that we could hold copies of God's Word in our hands today and read them in our own language. We should also be supporting those who continue the labor-intensive efforts of translating the Bible into more and more languages so that more people can begin to hear and understand about this God who loves them. And I want to leave you with this very simple thought that the clarity of Scripture ought to remind us of the love of God. R.C. Sproul once said, What kind of God would reveal His love and redemption in terms so technical 
and concepts so profound that only an elite core of professional scholars could understand them. God is a Father who invites us into a relationship with Him, and He speaks to us in a language we can understand. Here's what He said to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. He said, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. God has not kept his word distant from us. He does not send us out on a quest of enlightenment. He has come down to us. He has spoken to us so that we can hear and understand Him. The question is, will we listen and will we obey? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website. HendersonBaptist.org.